Our scripture today is from Psalm chapter 46, verses 1 through 3, and Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth shall change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. This is the word of God for the people of God. If you and I are not our friends, if, you're, if we are friends, excuse me, on Facebook, you know that I have an absolutely adorable dog. Her name is Mabel. In case we're not friends on Facebook, I brought a picture of Mabel today. Oh, there's my Mabel. Now, Mabel is not a small dog. She's tall. She has an imposing bark. But in reality, she is a very timid little thing. I don't know why. Maybe it's just her personality, maybe something happened to her in her first weeks of life before she was rescued by the Kansas City Fire Department, but she has always struggled uh, by being afraid of new things, new people, large objects, furniture moved to a new place, bicycle helmets, vacuums, brooms, mops. One time, one time she flipped out because I walked into the house with an extension cord over my shoulder. I mean, there's just really no predicting it. No predicting it, except for one thing, she is reliably terrified of large trucks. Okay, semi-trucks are the worst, but anything with a diesel engine will paralyze her. Trash trucks, dump trucks, delivery trucks, they are all objects of mortal danger to Mabel. And the unfortunate thing is, she doesn't get scared when she sees a truck, she gets scared when she hears a truck, right? It's the sound of the engine that she hates. What that means is that we can be on a walk, tromping along on a beautiful day, and Mabel will hear a scary, scary truck. That's what I call them on her behalf. A scary, scary truck. She'll hear it blocks away, and she freezes. Stops dead in her tracks, lowers her ears, tucks her tail, turns around to pull hard in the other direction or to go home, whichever is closest. And if she doesn't get an immediate reaction from me and her request to turn around, can you guess what she does? She lays down in the grass. 
In those moments, she cannot be moved. She literally gets stuck by her fear. Were she smaller, I could just scoop her up, but she weighs 63 pounds, so carrying her is not an option. She gets stuck by her fear, which means I get stuck too. Now, do you think she's ever had a dangerous encounter with a scary, scary truck? No. Have I ever once let her be hurt by a scary, scary truck? No. But she hears that truck engine and her trust of me flies right out the window and she is paralyzed. There is only one thing that I have found that can help us, that sometimes, usually works to help us move forward. I uh, wish, I mean, I could always just allow her to turn tail and pull for home, but I don't want to do that, right? I want to finish the walk. I want to get to where we're going. So what I have to do is I have to kneel down on the ground next to her. I can't just pet her, kind of talk at her from a distance. I have to go up and literally hug her. I have to hold her little quivering body and talk sweet to her and remind her that she's safe and that the truck is soon going to be gone. And if I do that for a few moments, usually she is brave enough then to stand up and walk forward with trepidation, ears still down, until the scary, scary truck passes. I mean, poor Mabel, right? She's trying her best. And darn it if the world is not full of scary, scary trucks. You know, we can never predict when they're going to appear. And I know that she's not trying to make things difficult. She is afraid. And it stops her. And thus it stops me. Stops us from making any forward progress. Now, y'all, in what ways are we like Mabel these days? Scary trucks are probably not our biggest problem. But we've got plenty to be fearful about, don't we? What are the things that are threatening to paralyze you right now? What has the power to stop you in your tracks? Nothing, you say. Amy, I'm fearless. Okay, then you preach next week's sermon. That's how that goes. Because I'm sure not fearless. No, I'm not. I struggle as much as anyone with a whole host of regular fears. One that I confronted in a big way in 2021 was, will I get better? As I waited for my body to heal from this big bout of vasculitis that I had a year ago, I had plenty of moments in 2021 when I wondered, how healthy am I going to get to be going forward? I feared my body would not function again like I wanted it to. I had some moments when I thought, I'm worried I'm not going to ever feel really good again. I'm sure there are people here who have experienced that same fear. Will I get better? Will my treatment work? Will surgery really help? Am I just getting too old to feel good again? Fear about our health is real and it's hard and it can be a big additive to the physical pain we feel. Maybe it's not fear about our own health, but maybe the health of a loved one. Are my parents going to be okay? How do I keep them safe? Are my kids going to be okay? Should I really let them climb that high into that tree? If I buy them a skateboard, am I just uh, waiting for broken bones to happen? Maybe there's a sibling or a friend whose fragile health gives you a pit in your stomach and disaster scenarios running through your mind. 
or we spend plenty of time fearful about our personal safety. I mean, just look on next door on any Facebook neighborhood group and you'll run smack into a bunch of fear about strangers and strange cars in the neighborhood. And we buy alarm systems and video doorbells and we keep guns at home to protect ourselves from unknown dangers. We worry about our safety and the safety of others. Or there's politics, right? The fear in political rhetoric has ramped up so high in the last five years. I don't even know if there are any calm voices out there to listen to when it comes to political analysis. If you know any, please let me know. It's hard to shut out those fearful voices as we listen to the news or there's climate change, or there's the economy, or there's this internal pandemic, or there's the state of the church, or there's war around the world, or there's, well, I've already named more than I should for us to have a pleasant morning, haven't I? You get the idea. It's not hard for us to find reasons to feel fear. We might call it worry, we might call it anxiety, but the baseline emotion, the thing that it's at the root of it all is fear. Fears around us all the time. We have plenty of reason to feel it. We encounter it all the time in other people. But you know what? Fear is not healthy for us. It's not good for our bodies. It's not good for our spirits. It's not the default mode in which God wishes for us to live. In fact, fear is one of the things that God's love is meant to combat. Fear not. We hear that in the Bible hundreds of times. Scripture says it over and over again because the Bible knows how easy it is for us to fall into fearful thinking. We're really good, actually, at being afraid. And this isn't a new problem for 2022. We've just invented new things to be fearful about. But the problem of human fear goes back millennia. So the Bible says, fear not, fear not. Especially because the kind of long-term, low-level, chronic fear, it, it eats at our soul, it robs us of joy. God does not want us to live lives trapped by fear. So today, on this first Sunday of the new year, we say welcome to 2022. Perhaps we say 2022, we've got some high hopes for you. We'd like you to be a little different than 2021 and 2020, please. You know there's nothing magical about that turn of the calendar, but it is a chance for us to take a moment and reevaluate and, and reflect. I have some friends who often pick a word for the year ahead. I think some of you do this too. They pick a word that uh, is something they want to embody, something they want to inspire them, something they want to focus on, and it's a really lovely practice. If that's your practice, that's awesome. Tell me your word for 2022. But I want to suggest that along with, with that, that perhaps we also make a commitment together to let go of something. What would happen if in the year ahead we worked intentionally to let go of fear when it was presented to us? What difference would that make in our decision-making if we decided to not be captive to fear this year? To help us think about that today, I have two scriptures. The first is the story of one of the scariest moments in the whole Bible, I think. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It happens just a few months or maybe a few years after Jesus is born, the timeline isn't very clear. Remember in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and then at some point these wise men come from the east bringing gifts for a baby king. That's what we celebrate on Epiphany Sunday, which is today. And they knew that that king was, was, had been born because they were watching the stars in the sky, and so they went in the direction of that star, but in order to find the baby, they had to have a chat with Herod. 
who was the ruler of the province. They weren't exactly sure where they were going, so they needed Herod to help them out. And that helped the wise men, but it also tipped Herod off that there was a threat. That there was a threat nearby in his kingdom, a threat to his power and his authority, and he didn't like it. He figured if this child was important enough for gifts from foreign dignitaries, the child might cause him some trouble, and so he did not want that baby to grow up in peace. Herod was afraid. (laughs) The scripture says, and all of Jerusalem was afraid with him, actually. He was threatened, and because of that, he decided to do the unthinkable to handle this threat. And this story is a reminder to us how fear taken to the extreme becomes violence, and it becomes destruction. So after those wise men leave, Herod orders that all the baby boys under two years of age in Bethlehem be killed. He isn't sure how old this baby king is, so he just picks an age range, and he orders these executions. He orders it, and it's done. I can't even imagine the process. I don't want to imagine the process of how they found the children, how they carried out the order. What I can imagine, and I'm sure you can too, is the grief of the mothers and the fathers and the grandparents and the aunties and the neighbors and the entire community knowing they were powerless to stop this terrible thing. Now Jesus, of course, he was saved from this event because Mary and Joseph had already fled to Egypt. Joseph got tipped off by an angel that Herod was on the hunt for the baby Jesus and he did the only thing he could do, he left. He packed up his family and he fled to a whole other country in order to keep them safe. I can't imagine that was easy either or without fear, but that was what was under Joseph's control. He and Mary, they must have wept for the children who were left behind. Whatever fear that Mary and Joseph felt in those moments, that actually was a good kind of fear because it was a fear that motivated them to action. It saved their child's life. And we have to remember that some fear is natural and it's important because it keeps us safe. We, we fear fire because it burns us. And when fear motivates us to action, it can be helpful. But once we've acted, once we've been removed from the danger, then we need to relax and let the fear subside. The problem is too often we fear things over which we have no control. Right? We feel fear in situations where there is no action for us to take. And so we get stuck. We get stuck in this loop of worrying about the outcomes And we have nothing that we can do to make the situation better because we're fearing something over which we have no control. So fear becomes a constant companion and it hurts us and it hurts those around us. So what do we do in those moments? When we find ourselves caught up in fearful thinking with no action to take to prevent it. Well, this is when we turn to the counsel of the second scripture we read for today, which is Psalm 46. Just listen to this promise again. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. The psalmist is inviting us to remember that no matter what is unfolding in the world around us, God is not shaken. God is constant. God is steadfast. God doesn't get rattled by whatever we're worried about or trembling about. God has promised furthermore to be our refuge and strength. God has promised to be with us. So when we find ourselves worrying about things beyond our control, first of all, we need to simply admit that we're afraid. Just admit it. 
that we're afraid and we can't control whatever it is is making us afraid. It helps, honestly, it helps to admit it out loud to ourselves and to admit it to God in prayer. As our minds fill with worry, as we fret with possibilities and feel undone by the what ifs, it helps if we just stop and say, I am afraid of and I can't control what will or will not happen. And then in our prayers, we ask for help. We ask God to be our refuge. We ask God to be that unshakable source of peace in the midst of the turmoil or the storm or the uncertainty. We turn our focus and fix our minds on the steadfast love of God, the protection and providence of God. And if we do that, it can help calm our hearts and our minds, and it can be the thing that gets us unstuck and help redirect us and lessen our fears. This kind of prayer It can help us tremendously when we have a loved one who's sick or we're waiting for someone to make a big decision or we get furious at the news or we worry about the actions of other people. We remember God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change. Sometimes when I need a reminder of God's power to soothe and comfort, when I, when I need to remember God's power to help me when I'm afraid, I think back to an experience that I had in high school It's a ridiculous experience, okay? But it's also not ridiculous. It's this small example that I carry with me of how God can help me in much more important moments than this particular moment was. I was on a trip sponsored by the United Methodist Women of the former Kansas West Annual Conference, and it was a trip called the Mission Education Tour. It was a week-long trip, and they took about 30 high school girls from all over the western part of Kansas, and sponsors, and we traveled by bus around to states, different states, to see United Methodist mission projects of various kinds. I'll have to say, as a 16-year-old, I was not that impressed with this trip, but as I think about it now, I think, you know what, that was actually pretty cool to, like, get to see United Methodist doing all kinds of things all over Oklahoma and Texas and New Mexico and Colorado. On the tour, we spent two nights in El Paso, And we stayed at a place called Lydia Patterson Institute. Maybe some of you have heard of it. It's been around for a long time. It's a private high school run by the United Methodist Church for kids from El Paso and Juarez, Mexico. And Lydia Patterson is a great place, and it does amazing work for kids that would really struggle otherwise. And I don't mean any disrespect to them by this story, okay? But we stayed in the gym down in El Paso. We were sleeping on the gym floor in sleeping bags, And it was not long after the lights went out that first night in the gym before several girls discovered we were not the only creatures in the gym seeking shelter. We were in El Paso. Can you guess what else was in the gym with us? Cockroaches. Maybe there was one, maybe there was two, maybe there were more. I don't remember, but there were enough to make me worried. I mean, really worried. Did I mention we were sleeping on the floor? 16-year-old Amy was freaked out. Cockroaches were not a part of my daily life. I lived in a studiously bug-free home with a mother who would have torn the sheetrock off the walls if she had found cockroaches in her kitchen, okay? So I remember laying there on the floor just imagining this swarm of bugs about to descend on us in the dark. I could almost feel their little legs crawling all over my sleeping bag. I was so afraid, and I thought, I am never going to be able to sleep. This is going to be the longest night of my life. Now, 
Was there action for me to take? Was there something I could do? I don't think so. I could have perhaps gotten up and gone to an adult and said, I need to sleep somewhere else. Considering there were 30 other people on the floor, how far do you think that would have gotten me? No, I don't think that would have worked. So finally, after a long time of laying there in worry, I realized I was on a church trip. Perhaps I should pray. Okay. So I started to pray. And I asked God to keep me safe from the cockroaches. I asked God to help me fall asleep. And then in the midst of that prayer, the Holy Spirit suggested to me that I imagine this invisible case being laid around me, like a force field covering me that would repel the bugs. So I did. I began to imagine God covering me with this force field, this hard but invisible shell that would keep me safe. I laid there in the dark and I imagined it starting at my toes, growing slowly up my body, covering my legs, my torso, my arms, my head, the shield about me of protection. And then I fell asleep. I woke up the next morning to the sounds of girls around me slapping their shoes against the floor to kill bugs that they saw that were scurrying away in the daylight. And the next night, as we laid back down on the floor, I prayed my imaginary force field up over me again, and I slept soundly through the night. Now, that is not the last time that I have prayed God's protection and imagined it literally covering me. And every time I do that, it helps. It calms me down. It helps me release my fear over things that I cannot control. It helps me remember God's protection God as my refuge, God as my help. It helps me remember God is the one who saves me. God who is the one who can release me from the power of my fear. This year, I want to invite you to join me in turning away from fear in all its forms as it presents itself to us in 2022. We're going to have a lot of moments when we have the chance to pray for God's help, God's protection, God's assistance in releasing the fear in our lives. May we all trust in the power of God to help us fear not. Thanks be to God. Amen.